We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In the midst of Brown's training camp, we have some on-site coverage from the Greenbrier with plenty of insights about what's been going on with the team. All of that and more coming up next on the OBR Film Breakdown. What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. Host Jake Burns. Uh, we are going to go over to a replay today of the OBR Weekly with Fred Greetham and Barry McBride because I think they do a great job of covering everything Fred has been seeing live and on site at the Greenbrier. So I wanted to share that with you as yesterday was an off day. So nothing new to report from practice or anything around the NFL. Just a second. We'll be back with a fresh episode to cover what happens on the fifth day of Brown's training camp for you on Friday. But for today, Fred Greetham answers plenty of listener questions and discussion with Barry McBride around everything he's been observing live and on site at the Greenbrier. So I wanted to share that with you guys today. Be back with a new episode tomorrow. Thanks for stopping by, guys. And let's get over to that OBR Weekly right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome to a special Greenbrier edition of OBR Weekly. 
for July 26, 2023. My name is Barry McBride. I am the publisher and the web dork of the OBR. Back with me tonight, live from luxurious tropical West Virginia, is Brown's beat writer and guru extraordinaire, Fred, the legend, Greetham. How's it going, Fred? Oh, it's a little warm today, about 88 down here. <clears throat> and I just got off the golf course, I have to say. <laughs> that I uh, went out with some uh, fellow writers and played. Today's the off day for the players. We were supposed to have some activity set up, we thought, uh, <clears throat> but we ended up taking it on ourselves and some of us went golfing. So All just, right. ca- just came in off there. I'm kind of like uh, a little tired, but I'm ready to go. I made time to make this happen. All right, very good. Of course you did, of course you did. And uh, did you swing the clubs pretty well today? Are you a typical you know Fred Greetham? The last time I played was at the OBR outing last August. Really? Is that when it was? Or, yeah. Or, so in a year, this was my first outing, and I shot a 41 on the front nine. Nice. Which is really good. And I don't, even, I don't know. I didn't take the time. <clears throat> Not as good on the back nine, but I did well. Played with Zach Jackson, Scott Petrak, and Chris Easterling. All right. Very good. Akron Beacon Journal, Athletic, and Chronicle. Yeah, I'm sure you crushed them all in uh, in, in prime OBR fashion. Scott, Scott don't need plays all the time. He's really oh, into he? it. All right. Yeah. He lost by two. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, it sounds like a competitive match. Uh, Before we get into it, the usual disclaimer, this show is powered by your comments and questions. So please hit us up with uh, all of those in the YouTube and Twitch chat rooms and give us something to discuss. We will, of course, focus on your questions and comments, uh, as always. Uh, We've already got a nice crowd hanging out with us. Uh, I must give you another disclaimer, which is that this is going to be a... uh, low-tech version of the show. Uh, if you can't tell from the uh, wall behind me, I am in an uh, adjunct office of the OBR World Headquarters. The power is out at OBR World Headquarters, which means our producer, Ian, uh, is not available to do all the fancy G-Wiz stuff that he does tonight. Uh, so it's just going to be me and Fred talking at you here uh, for the next hour or so. Uh, but... Um, Hopefully everything uh, beyond the power being out uh, will go fairly well. Will go fairly well. So uh, let's get right into it here. Um, you know, a uh, lot going on down there in Greenbrier, Fred. Fantastic to have you down there. Uh, loving the uh, post-camp uh, videos that you're doing. Uh, and we're already starting to get some uh, questions in, some of them serious, some of them less serious. And uh, we'll get to those here in just a second. Uh, and uh, a couple of topics I wanted to talk about right off the right off the bat. The first one is Miles Garrett. Uh, Miles Garrett, of course, uh, a lot has been made about his potential this year with some help uh, on uh, uh, on the defensive line for him. Uh, of course, he he set a franchise record for sacks these last two years with 16, tied it in 2022, um, and. A lot, you know, that that's pretty impressive in and of itself, but a lot's been made about his ability to be a leader 
you know, uh, over these last couple of years as if all those sacks isn't enough. Uh, particularly as ex-teammate Malik Jackson felt the need to talk about it recently. So, uh, Miles Garrett heading into a very interesting year. Uh, getting help on the line. Maybe can beat that sack record, but getting pressure to be a leader. So, I got two questions for you, Fred. First question is, have you seen more? in the way of leadership qualities from Miles Garrett. I know you've only got a couple of days of watching camp to go from, but are you seeing a little bit different Miles Garrett this year than we've seen in the past? Well, I think it's just the process, you know, seventh year. I've seen him talking with some of the younger guys out on the field, you know. I guess that would be leadership, you know, talking to Isaiah Thomas, Alex Wright, showing him techniques, different things like that. Um, He he talked about that yesterday, um, and I thought he hit it head on. You know, hey, that's his opinion, you know, that guys lead in different ways. I can tell you from the day he got here, he's a reluctant leader because he's the best player in the team. He's probably – he's paid the most on defense. Everybody expects you to be the leader, and that's not always – his personality he doesn't have that type of personality you know i i I could tell that when he came in you know he's always been the best player but that doesn't make you an extrovert he's an introverted type of individual and he has been developing and coming out but you know sometimes the best players aren't aren't the best teachers or coaches because it comes easy for him and he doesn't maybe understand why some of the other guys can't do what he does mm-hmm. because he's blessed with a freakish body. But no, I think he's fine. And I think that, I think Zadarius Smith is bringing some out of him. I think Rodney McLeod's going to be a leader for this defense. I think that Anthony Walker's back and he's a leader. You don't need the best player, the, the highest paid guy to necessarily be the rah-rah guy. That's not him. But I would say he leads more by example. But I have seen him talking and showing little techniques, you know, in the few days we've had with some of the younger guys. And um, I don't have a problem with the way he, you know, handles things. He goes, you know, when you get 16 sacks and you're pretty much doing it by yourself, you know, you, you need some help. You know, he's more than carrying his weight. And I just think that if things go as planned, teams aren't going to be able to just double and triple team him and get away with it because Zadarius Smith will eat him alive or some of the other guys. And and that's ultimately what you want as a defense is pick your poison. So no, I think I think Miles is fine. It's it's a maturation process. He's he's only twenty seven. He's in his seventh year, but you know, he's, you know, and, you know, when you think about it, I think it was three years ago. He probably wasn't the same guy that he is now. He's, you know, he's, he's improved on his leadership skills, but he's never going to be the rah-rah, you know, big speech guy. Right, right. That's just not, that's not him. It's just not his personality. I always thought the best coaches, by the way, were, weren't the guys with great stability. It's always the guys who always seem to have to make the, the most of the limited ability that they had. I know that's a generalization, but it always well, seems to true. me like they they, they they would make the Bubba Ventrones, you know, 
make the best coaches, you know. But uh, be that as it may, you know, with this help on the line, you know, what is the upper end for uh, Miles Garrett? You know, he's had 16 sacks these last couple of years. With him not getting double and triple teamed every play, how far do you think he can go? I mean, how, how many sacks do you think he might be able to get this next year? Do you think Defensive Player of the Year is is in the offing? You know, what what, what does your dream season look like for Miles Garrett this year, Fred? Well, um, you know, the, the thing is, is that as Kevin Stefanski even pointed out, it's sacks are a little overrated sometimes because guys can just, you know, fall into a sack and maybe – Maybe they're not doing some of the other things. I mean, it would be successful if he still was in the 15 to 17 range. But mm-hmm. if he had help, if he had, you know, Smith on the other end with double digits and and Okoronkwo, and that's the difference. You know, last year as a team, they had 34 sacks in 17 games. You had two a game, okay? Edge rushers had 20 of them. And Garrett had 16. So when one guy gets 80% of your production in sacks, that's not a good deal. I mean, Clowney had two, Isaiah Thomas had one, and Chase Winovich had one. That's that's terrible. What you need is Zadarius Smith to have 10 to 12, and, and Okoronkwo to have 8 to 10. And if Garrett has 12 to 15, that's a big year in my opinion because you're going to get help and uh you know he could he's capable with with the scheme i think i wrote about it today with jim schwartz and the attacking mode he talked about i asked him the question about the does he see the possibilities you know for him in the defensive line and and he said yeah it's it's attacking aggressive and with the with the guys they have they can stay healthy i just don't see how they can have, you know, three, four sacks a game as a defense. Sending guys from every direction. The, the offense just can't block them all. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that the production should really go up, especially on the edges. Might not him. I mean, if he got 16 sacks, but the other guys got double digit or near, that would be a big time year. So right, I think right. you might see it spread out more than just, a one-trick pony guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it seems like I say this every single week, but I can't wait. I, I, I'm just so excited about what this uh, defensive line might be able to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about uh, a, a guy we're going to talk about here in a minute, JOK as well, what he might be able to do. Um, I also want to give a, a thumbs up to Philly. Um, man of the month uh, on the OBR. He's doing the uh, the live wire threads. He's uh, buying five subs for people here in the chat. Uh, I owe him a beer. I owe you a beer, Philly, at some point. Uh, thank you very much for doing that. And I think Red Leader got some, too. Uh, bought one, at least, uh, as well, too. Uh, I don't have uh, Ian whispering in my ear about who's uh, gifting subs, but from what I can tell in the chat, uh, that's what's going on. So thanks, both of you guys. Um, uh, by the way, if you're purchasing subs, that's on Twitch. We really appreciate when you do it on Twitch. Really helps us, you know, subsidize uh, the costs of of doing this. 
You can subscribe on YouTube as well. It doesn't cost anything, but you get notified every time there's a new uh, new show from the OBR. And by the way, hit that thumbs up button, uh, that like button on YouTube so we can fool people into uh, thinking that this is a popular program and joining us each week uh, as our numbers continue to grow throughout the season. Second topic I want to talk about, Fred, is Greg Newsom as our questions continue to pile up here. Um, Greg Newsom changed his number to number zero and uh, made a big deal out of sort of wanting a fresh start um, with everything. Can you explain what he meant? Uh, he's just in his third season. Why does he need a fresh start? Well, because, I mean, there's different perceptions. He, you know, he got involved a little bit in the offseason, um, as you know, as we reported here that he wanted to be traded and then he didn't want to be traded and he refuted that changed agents it's kind of strange to change agent you know a year from your contract being able to be up so a lot of that stuff kind of made sense there was smoke he tried to downplay it he's tried to you know i'm all in and i think the biggest thing was he doesn't he didn't want to be in a situation where he was you know, in the slot and having to be a tackler. He wanted to be right. out just guarding a wide receiver the whole time, less wear and tear on his body. Plus, those guys get paid a lot more than guys in the slot. And I think Jim Schwartz said, look, we're going to have you and Emerson and Ward out on the field most of the time because most of the teams have three wide receivers, and you're going to be covering a guy pretty much and just man-to-man. So – that means if your guy lines up in the slot, you're in the slot. If your guy lines up in the outside, you're on the outside. So I think he, he wants a fresh start just all the way around. But more than anything, I think he wants to have a big year because he knows, you know, it's a contract type year. You know, if he wants to get that, you know, that fifth year extension or the, the, the next, the Denzel Ward type contract, he's got to put up some better numbers. Um, he has no interceptions and he just said it, it was, he's looking at it as a fresh start, a new number. It's his third year. The game slowed down for him. It's time for him to, to show what he can do. You know, he talked about, you know, playing inside outside and he was comparing like Marlon Humphrey does it and, mm-hmm. you know, Jalen Ramsey does it. So it's now like he's all in on this concept I think the bottom line is he realized if he plays well and he shuts down the receivers, whoever he's assigned to, he's going to be here a while. If he doesn't, he's not going to be here. And so he knows it's kind of up to here. There's a guy like Grant Delp. It's kind of the same situation, you know? Right. So um, I just think that he's using it as kind of a launching point as a fresh start with Jim Schwartz and, and the new defensive scheme. Would we include Newsom in that group of players who uh, seems to be more excited about playing more man-to-man uh, under uh, uh, under Schwartz? Oh, yeah. Um, Denzel Ward talked about it. Um, most of these guys, you know, that's what they – that's what they're, you know, were drafted and what they're paid to do. They don't really want to be, you know, stick your nose in on the, the running back coming around the corner. If you're If you're out – and your assignment is to shut down and just cover, you know, a receiver, 
for three, four seconds and allow that pass rush to get to the quarterback, everybody's job's easier. And Denzel Ward, that's what that's his forte. That's Greg Newsom's forte. Martin Emerson's big and physical, and they think he can do that too. So um, Ward, you know, I, I, I said it on a, on a radio show last night that um, I just – I've never seen him yesterday. He went flying across the field and it's not contact. And he hit a receiver, knocked him to the ground, knocked him out of bounds, almost like a roughing play. And he, I've never seen him be that physical with anybody. Hmm. And, and I said, what in the world is Ward doing? And the guy sent with me said, that was, that was, that was 31. That wasn't 21. I go, I believe it was 21. And he came hmm. up and it was 21. I mean, he went and just decked the the receiver in a non-contact drill, and I'm like, "Whoa, he's fired up!" You know, he wants wow. to. He said Schwartz is fiery, and and I think I think Ward needs a little of that, and I think Newsom needs a little of that. So I think that, I mean, I might be out on a limb, but I've said it all off season. I think Jim Schwartz is gonna is going to have this defense humming. And that's in itself going to allow the Browns to have a chance to win more games. You know, the defense just couldn't get off the field in big spots last year. And I mean, I can't repeat, you can hear, there's no question most of the time when Jim Schwartz is on the field, he's very loud and he used a lot of words that we're not allowed to say here on, on the show. So I just, I think the Browns need that. I think that there was too much on defense they were kind of getting away with. And he gets in these guys' faces, you know. And even Miles Garrett said, hey, if I need it, you know, I want him in my face. And so it's uh, it's not all rah-rah, but it's not all screaming. It's, you know, when things are going all right, they're okay. But But if they need to be corrected, sometimes you need to be lit up. And he seems to be the guy. And with Kevin Stefanski kind of letting the defensive coordinator run the show, I think that's the kind of guy you need. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, I got one more topic that uh, <laughs> I got one more topic that I want to talk about. Then we got a special guest who I'm going to bring on to the show here for uh, just a few moments. And then we'll get to your questions out of the chat room. So if you've got more questions for Fred, uh, feel free to line them up. We've got uh, Oh, about 10 lined up right now, and we'll spend the whole back half of the program going through any questions that you have from our man down in Greenbrier uh, watching things. Last thing I want to talk about here, Fred, is uh, 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 JOK. Um, JOK talked to the press the other day. Kevin Stefanski talked about him to the press, and he used the phrase, availability is key when talking about JOK the other day. The linebacker seems to have come back a bit stronger. Now, I personally, this is just, you know, a Barry Hunch, which is usually wrong. But I personally, I, I think he's believe, I, I think he's headed for a big season with that new defensive front in front of him in the game, hopefully slowing down for him a little bit in his third season. You know, a similar question I had with Miles Garrett. How high is the upside for JOK, do you think, in this, in this defense? Uh, are we looking for mild improvement, or do we think that that he can really turn it on in 2023? Well, he talked about having to think about things his first two years, and that goes back to the um, the scheme. You know, I think 
I think the previous defensive scheme might have had a little more <clears throat> nuances to it, a little more thinking. And some of the younger guys weren't able, Greg Newsom's one of them, that just was still trying to think sometimes in the middle of the play, where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? You saw that in breakdowns last year with Grant Delpit, uh, JOK, um, all the way around. And I just think freeing them up to play fast, any, any player will say if they don't have to think and they can just read and react, you know, they're going to be better. With that said, uh, JOK's played, you know, 14 games and 11 games. So he's played in 25 games out of 34. He's missed nine games. He's got to be able to stay on the field. You can't, you know, be not available. And he mentioned that. And a lot of it is, you know, he's slight. He plays at 221. Again, I'm going to point back to Jim Schwartz. I think Jim Schwartz is going to use him in a, use his versatility, you know, to get after the quarterback, you know, to be able to blitz in situations, to be able to cover, you know, tight ends, backs out of the backfield, and and maybe not use him to have to be a run stuffer. You know, that's what you want Sion Taki Taki and Anthony Walker, guys like that, to be able to do. So I do think that he's got the potential. I think he's got to just stay healthy and and again, I'm kind of relying that Schwartz is going to figure out how to maximize his abilities. He talked about when he first was hired that he had a linebacker down in Tennessee. Of course, he wasn't the coordinator, but they had a 215-pound linebacker. I can't remember his name right up, but he's pretty good. You know, and he said, you know, he has a place for these guys. So that athleticism and versatility, I think, I think you're going to see Jim Schwartz use that you know, to the fullest. We saw flashes in his first two years. We saw more in his rookie year than we did last year. I thought he took a step back, and he even admitted that, that he didn't feel like he played that well. And so, yeah, I think he came back with a renewed, you know, excitement and and determination to have a bounce back year. And, you know, that could bode well for the Browns' defense. You know, when he was drafted, we all thought, He was kind of the Lamar Jackson shadow. If he could do nothing more than help shut down Lamar Jackson, he would almost be worth his while. And what happened two years ago? He's the guy that that brought him down and ended Jackson's season, Mm -hmm. you know, in 2021, legal tackle. He chased him down near the end zone, and after he got rid of the ball, you know, he went down and he never played again. And so I just think he's got that skill set that if he can help contain these mobile quarterbacks not only Jackson he's a he's a real asset for you you know when you play even the Joe Burrows and the Patrick Mahomes and the the guys that can get out move around Josh Allen so I think I think he's got a chance to, to have a good year as well and when you have goes back to that front line when you have a front line that's not allowing the the opposing team to run for 135 yards a game, you know, I think you got a pass rush and, and a run stop that allows him to run free and maybe make some plays. So we'll see. But yeah, I think, right. I think he has a chance to have a good year too. Yeah. Lion eating up those blockers is going to free up to. Okay. Hey, I want to bring in uh, 
the brains behind. You've heard me talk about it uh, on this program. I talk about it every morning in the Newswire. The Fantasy Football Expo coming up uh, in August. Here's the brains behind it. His name is Bob Lung. Welcome, Bob. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Barry. Thank you, Fred, for having me. Uh, pleasure to be on it. Great show. You guys just do an amazing job with this OBR report, man. It's just awesome. So uh, really excited to have you guys come down, talk some Browns with everybody, hang out. Uh, but, yeah, we're looking forward. It's like almost, I mean, Friday will be two weeks away, uh, August 11th through the 13th, Canton, Ohio. So, hey, everybody out there in Northeast Ohio, come in for Joe Thomas induction, come in for the Browns game, come back the next weekend. Uh, if you're a fantasy football guy or girl, uh, and come down and just hang out with us. We have lots of things. Des Bryant's going to be in town. He will be at the event on Sunday, August 13th uh, in the uh, the Dome, we call it down here, the Center for Performance. And the, the expo is all day Sunday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Regardless of what type of fantasy football you play, Devi, Dynasty, Redrafts, DFS, Sports betting, we've got it all, and all of the best uh, people in the country, the knowledge uh, brains in the country that you can think of that you can see all over Fantasy Sports Radio, uh, ESPN, Yahoo, et cetera, they're all going to be there. So come and hang out at the booth, uh, booth 24, if I'm not mistaken, right? Booth 24 uh, is where we'll be at. The Nick yeah. Chubb booth, we'll call it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, come see the guys from the OBR and come hang out with us all weekend. It's going to be a good time. Now, now, you started this just a few years ago, and it has just grown like crazy, hasn't it? Just, it was really, yeah. Um, I started it in 2019 uh, because I was bringing in all the best fantasy football experts in the country. We were doing a live draft uh, in 2018 at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, kind of a best of the best, and mm-hmm. it was all, it's broadcast live on SiriusXM. We still do that. Uh, and then 2019, it decided to kind of add the expo and the trade shows and the panel discussions to make a weekend out of it. And that first year we had 75 people and then 2020 came, thought it was over. Thought we'll never do this again, right? COVID gonna ruin everything. And 2021, we got 500 people. In 2022 last year, we had 750. So this year wow. we're expecting even more and it's just amazing. It's a great time, so much fun. We have a party Friday night, a party Saturday night. We have a flag football tournament. We have drafts going on all day at the, uh, Hall of Fame and various uh, surrounding areas. So it, anything you can think of we can do for fantasy, we're going to be doing it that weekend. So, you know, here we are in Northeast Ohio. We've got this huge fantasy football event right in our backyards. Your friends from the OBR are going to be there. We're not there for fantasy football. We're, we're just going to be hanging out in booth number 24, the Nick Chubb booth. We're just going to be there to talk Brown. So if, you, if yeah. you're going to come down for the fantasy football stuff, just come down and hang out with us. Talk Browns with us, you know, that's all we're there for. We're not there to give you fantasy football advice. Well, uh, we'd but love, you guys have the love inside scoop you. on the Browns, and that is that, very good fantasy football advice. That we do. We, we, we can give you perspective on the Browns, that's, that's for sure. But why don't you tell people how they can get some tickets and come down and hang yeah. out with us. So just go to thefantasyfootballexpo.com, get your tickets. You can get it for the whole weekend or just come for Sunday. If you don't going to get tickets ahead of time and just want to show up Sunday, it's 20 bucks at the door. Uh, and you can buy T-shirts. There's you know, swag bags with all kinds of coupons in them, all kinds of great things. Um, the field is open inside the dome, so you can bring your kids, let them run around, throw some footballs around while dad and mom do their fantasy sports stuff. Uh, it's a great family event, so definitely come down and check it out. 
All right. Thank you very much for popping right, in, Jack, Bob. Appreciate me. it. See you in a couple of weeks. Book 24. The Nick Chopper. Huh. All right. Bye-bye. See ya. All right. Fantasy Football Expo. Please be there. We'd love to see you if you want to come down and hang out with us at the Nick Chubb booth. All right. Let's get to your questions. We've got a whole bunch of them uh, going on here. Somebody just gifted some subs because I see a whole bunch of people just subscribed. I'm not sure who that is. Uh, hopefully you can uh, 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 admit who you are in the chat. But let's go straight to these questions uh, OG Philly writes, Fred, from what you've seen and heard, what is the overall vibe of the team? Is it different from last year? Well, it's really hard um, to see um, because we're not in a locker room. We've talked to about eight to ten players. Most of them would be the biggest names on the team so far. We've talked to Andrew Barry, Jimmy Haslam, and D and Kevin Stefanski, of course. I mean, from the top down, there's a very cautious optimism. They know they have a good team. I mean, this is a good team. This is the best team as far as players that I've ever covered. And they have their quarterback, and he's going to be available, you know, for the whole year. And so I think the biggest thing – you know, it's just that's one of the reasons they're down here. They're they're trying to separate maybe that little nuance that maybe could separate them or give them an edge over one of the other teams that are right neck and neck with them, and that is the camaraderie and the teamwork. And you're hearing a lot of them talk about, you know, even Miles Garrett when we talked about, you know, being unleashed to get the sack records and stuff is like, you know, it's more all about the team, you know, and, you know, winning. And, and that's what I've heard more so than I have in the past. You know, even Deshaun Watson, you know, it's all about winning and it's coming together as a team. We all know that. We've seen that where teams have so much talent, but they just can't put it together. It really is a team thing because one guy, as we saw even last year, one guy misses a play, messes it up team loses and so it's really kind of you're only as good as your weakest link so I think that there there's a real cautious optimism among the players I I see them get you know uh laughing and and caring on spending time together of course we're not in the resort so we're not seeing them but I know today they were doing a lot of activities as a team I know the offensive linemen were going out to a movie, things like that. And so they're doing things as a group. But I think all in all, it's a good it's a good thing. We'll see when it happens. When they put on the pads Friday, that will also change some things because the the good the laughing and giggling and slapping on each other sometimes goes away when they start getting into fist yeah. fist fights when they you know, it's supposed to be in the high 80s and practicing and pads is kind of brings up the temper and we'll see. But hopefully it's good stuff, you know, but I'm, I'm I've been impressed with how, you know, how it looks like that they're coming together. They're, there's a lot of the defense is very vocal. I mean, they had seven on seven and they they dominated pretty much the offense the other day in the red zone seven on seven which is usually what happens, but yeah. they were all, 
you think they won the Super Bowl the way when they broke up a pass or something like that. And so it was good to see, you know, that they're all excited for each other. And we'll see. We'll see how that continues. All right. Very good. Uh, question coming in from uh, Teddy. Uh, he says he was wondering how Cedric Tillman looks so far. Haven't heard much about him uh, from camp. Uh, hopefully he's getting a few more reps with uh, Marquise Goodwin out. Well, he actually has with Marquise Goodwin and Amari Cooper. Both have been out. And so um, David Bell and Cedric Tillman have kind of been the next two up with Peoples-Jones and Elijah Moore. I think Tillman's looked good. I think he's got a chance to be in the rotation. I think he's definitely going to be one of the top five. Um, He had a touchdown in seven-on-seven yesterday, I think, from Watson. I didn't get it on video, so I didn't tweet it. Sometimes that's it's hard to catch all the things because when you're when you're video, and then sometimes you're posting the previous play, and they're doing another play. Right. So I try to do them as they're happening. But anyway, no, I think I think he's got a chance to be an impactful player. And the nice thing as a rookie is they don't need him to immediately step up. In the past, they've counted on the rookies, and sometimes it takes time, you know, with them. David Bell had a touchdown catch yesterday. I did have that on video. Um, I mean, Marquise Goodwin, you know, it has been kind of a blow for him because they were counting on him really to stretch the defense and for the long ball. And... um, Nobody really knows. He's been out there, but nobody knows when he's going to get the clear to get back on the field. You know, blood clot's kind of a serious issue for sure. Amari Cooper, I wouldn't be surprised if he's back out there tomorrow. I don't even know. They wouldn't even say what body part it was, only that it wasn't the core muscle that he had surgery on. So he wasn't really limping, so he's been out there. In fact, he was dancing the other day when the music was going. I couldn't really, I, I videoed it, but I have to mute the music because I got in trouble a couple of years ago for background music. So I said, well, that doesn't do any good without the music because he was dancing and it would have been to the rhythm. But I don't know if it was a leg injury because he was walking around and dancing. So I don't know what a minor tweak is. That's That's all we were told. Yeah, it's all top secret. All top secret stuff from Tysox fifteen. He asked Fred, "What is your, what's been your biggest takeaway from camp so far, over the first uh, three four days?" Well, I guess my biggest surprise has been that Sion Taki Taki is as far along as he is. Look at the if if you get Twitter, look at my Twitter feed yesterday. I posted a picture of him in the tackling drills. He attacked the the tackling dummy. He's he's like, what's December? You know, eight months ago. Eight months ago, he had ACL. He tore his ACL. I mean, it used to be a year. Then they kind of moved up to like 10 months. We asked Stefanski the other day, is is the ACL now an eight-month injury? Because <clears throat> he's not even on the pup list. He's right. active. And they're just holding him back and letting him rest every other day, along with Anthony Walker. But both of them were in the tackling drills. So that, to me, is a big um, – surprise and i'm being told he's the target is to be ready for the you know the opener as well as walker so that there um 
as far as players, I don't, I don't know. You, you got 90 guys out there. So it's really kind of hard to yeah. hone in and, you know, until the pads go on, it's hard to really, you know, um, evaluate that. I do know I'm going to write a story here soon on Elijah Moore. We haven't talked to him, but he looks like he's going to be used a lot in the offense. Um, I see him in the slot. I see him outside. I see him in the backfield. I see him in motion. They look like they're going to get him the ball and really try to. I don't know, but two years ago, if you remember, they had a guy named Jojo Natson. He was a specialist. He tore his Achilles. But before he got injured, I saw him in training camp with the first team running jet sweeps and all kinds of stuff like that. And he wasn't, I don't think, going to just be a return guy. And then Jakeem Grant last year was almost the same thing. And then he tore his Achilles about this time or in August last year. And then, you know, Anthony Schwartz has really never taken of being that gadget guy. Right. And I think that's what Elijah Moore might be. I think he might be the jet sweep, the motion, you know, the end around, as well as the, you know, running out of the slot type of a thing. He just looks like they have big plans to use him. And I think that, it, you know, Greg Newsom talked about him yesterday saying that he, he he is a steal for what they got him in a second for a second round. They said he's he should have been a fir- traded for a first round pick. He's that good. Because Newsom said his assignment so far has been garden more. And he said he's mm-hmm. very difficult to handle. And so, you know, that's that's good to know. And I think that he's probably the biggest um, offensive surprise, I'd say Taki Taki on defense. Um, haven't seen enough of the rookies, you know, to really make any impressions. Again, until they get pads on, everybody looks good because they're not getting hit. Right. Wide receivers especially look really good uh, until those pads come on. Um, we got a lot of questions which have piled up. We're going to get through as many as we can over the next 20 minutes or so. Uh, this is from Chris. He says, do you think the wide receiver room will lack speed again this season with Goodwin out? Assuming that Goodwin's out, do you think speed is going to be an issue with this wide receiver group? Um, not really. I think um, Elijah Moore runs a 4-3. You know, I think that that's pretty fast. I know Goodwin ran a 4-2-5, but that was 10 years ago. He said that he still got it. But that's not much difference. I mean, that's faster than any guy they had on the deep ball. Um, I saw they tried more on a deep ball yesterday, and they missed it by about a couple feet. Um, But, no, I mean, it's going to hurt if you don't have good one and more. But it could, you know, who knows? You know, they could, another guy could emerge. But I, I think that they've. I'm kind of cautiously optimistic that Goodwin's going to return. I think they're just being real cautious with him. He brought it up to the team back after the mini camp. So mm-hmm. it's not just been a recent thing. They've been treating him and looking at him since June. So, um, you know, hopefully that he'll be able to come back. They, they do have until September 10th. You know, that's what everybody, you know, you know, when he's 32 years old, he doesn't need a lot of, you know, camp 
He just needs – he had some good timing, you know, in the mini camp with Watson. But it would be a blow, and maybe there's somebody else, you know, they can go look at. But I don't think they're pushing the panic button right now. It, it opens up – you know, one of the things, they had 15 wide receivers on the roster, on the 90-man roster coming to camp. You go, my goodness, I thought they would trim it down. But they had – I think it was maybe – Two Monday, five not practicing out of 15. You know, you mm-hmm. have Schwartz. He's still been hobbled with a hamstring. And you got Goodwin. You had Cooper and Michael Woods, who who I thought he ruptured his Achilles, but he's running around out there. I don't, I don't know what's going on with him, but they might be holding out hope for him returning sometime too. But there was five in practice. I think it was Monday. So, you might even you you think you have 15 they haven't they haven't started you know schwartz has the hamstring but he did that sometime in the off before training camp usually when you start with pads unfortunately you start seeing wide receivers off to the side with with hamstring pulls and things like that oh jakeem grant was the fifth one but he was practicing yesterday so yeah, he's yeah, returning so punts. far. They're given they're given, you know, uh opening up for you know somebody else. But I'll tell you one thing, Anthony Schwartz really needs to get back on the practice field. This would have been a chance for him with Goodwin out to showcase his speed, but he's another one that can't stay on the field. And yeah. uh, it doesn't bode well. And I think that his ship sailed when you went out and made the moves you did. I mean, you added yeah. Goodwin, Moore, and Tillman. Of the top five, those three are going to be in the top five if they're active. So that tells me they kind of were moving on from Schwartz. But he's still on the team right now. Yeah, very tough for him to make the roster. Uh, Kev, Kev0680, thank you very much for buying those five subscriptions on Twitch, by the way. Thank you very much. Uh Kevin Cycle 18 writes, is it too early to tell if Bubba's trying to instill a different identity on special teams? You seen any evidence of that yet, Fred? Uh, no. I mean, there's, I mean, the punters aren't even punting. They're using the jugs machine. I mean, the kickers and punters have been off to the side. There's another field down below that they kick at during practice. We see them walking around. I haven't really seen do much. They've been doing punt coverage, kick coverage. It's kind of hard to tell. I mean, they're he's not quite as vocal as Jim Schwartz. You can hear him a little bit, but he's going to bring a toughness. And and um, I think he brought in a couple guys that he has history with. Now one of them got hurt yesterday. We we don't know anything about it because. Kevin Stefanski chose to, to talk before practice now. So he meets before practice and then like yesterday. So we won't talk to him again till tomorrow morning before practice. So he probably won't give much updates other than he'll probably not be out there or, or whatever. But right, right. Um, Matthew Adams was a core special teams guy, a linebacker. Mike Ford, those were two those were two unrestricted free agents that were signed primarily as defense or a special teams guys. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, I think I think you'll see Ventrone have his mark, but until they you know get into games, it's kind of hard. They're not going to show anything. You know why would they show anything? You know before the regular season, they're just getting their timing down and finding the units and you know the versatility, who can play where and stuff. Right. Next question is from Mateos. He says one of the flaws Stefanski's had since he has been here is ensuring accountability. Do we have any reason to expect this year we'll see an improvement in this area? And uh, he doesn't count Perry and Winfrey's cut uh, in, 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 in as a measure of accountability being shown so far. Uh, are you getting that sense from Stefanski that uh, uh, that uh, there's there, there's no more fooling around uh, as there has been in previous years? Well, I mean, he's he's a hard guy to read, you know, behind closed doors. I mean, he's very even keel, easy going. We went out the other night and spent some time with him, the beat writers. He invited us to just chit chat kind of off the record stuff and very engaging guy, very funny. I mean, I, you know, when he takes off his head coach of the Cleveland Browns hat, um, you know, he's quite a different guy. We talked about play calling. He laughed. He hears, you know, that from, you know, and, and he kind of gave some nuances and stuff. And by the way, he said he goes to Old River, our old hangout. Oh, really? You know, I talked to him about that a little bit. But, um, yeah, as far as I think, I think that, yeah, he's not going to air a lot of laundry in public. I did hear he was kind of livid about some of the things that went on on defense last year. That, um, And I think he realizes – He's got to be a little more involved and not just turn it totally over to the defensive coordinator, but also kind of have a pulse on what's happening there as well. So we'll see. I mean, he is who he is. Um, I don't think you're ever going to see a throwing a clipboard, fiery, jumping up and down, you know, in your face, grabbing a face mask type of coach. But I think that he will. I think he's learning, you know. He said he's learning, you know, on the job as well. He's now in his fourth year, so I think he's much more relaxed, much more comfortable, and he, I think he knows, you know, what he's got in the team and what he can expect from the team. All right, next question from Teddy. He says, it sounded to me like Andrew Berry during his press conference would like to keep Chubb as a Brown his whole career. Did I misunderstand, and what are your thoughts? Well, I think anybody would love to keep him around his whole career. I mean, a lot of it comes down to production, unfortunately. And, you know, and, and, you know, to be honest, part of the, I mean, a lot of the fans and and even myself feel like he doesn't get used enough, but they really are trying to keep the mileage down on him because, you know, say what you will, look at Derrick Henry starting to wear down a bit, you know, getting 40 carries a game. You look back to Chubb, even in college, one of the other writers looked at his touches. He always had a guy like Sony Michelle and, you know, and, and um, he had another back there and then he had Kareem Hunt. He's, he's averaged about 16 carries his whole career, you know, and I know a lot of us would like him to 20, 25 a game, but he's, he rushed for 1500 yards last year. And if you can have, he's on pace. I did a story on him. He's on pace five more years and he would eclipse Jim Brown. And I mean, it'd be great if he could do that with the Browns, 
obviously Jim Brown played like 12 games a year and -hmm. he only played like nine years, but then again, Nick Chubb would be 32. Would they keep him around as a 32 year old running back? You see what's happened with Ezekiel Elliott and, and all these other guys, you know, even Barkley got what a one year deal. Um, Chubb, Spoke pretty frank about that the other day, and I was a little surprised. He was showing solidarity for the running backs, but I think he would work with the Browns. But after hearing him the other day, I don't think he's going to cave and just take anything to stay here Mm -hmm. um, if he's at the top of his game. He has two more years here. Next year at this time would be the time they'd be talking extension. I do feel that Andrew Barry likes to keep guys. And I do think that Nick Chubb is the temperament type of guy that would want to stay here. He likes it here. He likes, he's comfortable. Again, he's a little more quiet, shy. I think he's just likes to know his environment mm-hmm. and very comfortable in the environment. Now, if the Browns don't offer him something competitively, you know, he may say, well, I'm going to move on then, but a lot can change, you know, in a year, but I think I'm hoping for the best. He's the guy, he's the type of guy that you would, if you were designing a team, he's the number one guy you'd want on your team, not only at the talent, but his personality. And I think it, you know, it also sends a bad taste as if you get cheap and, you know, and you move on from him just to save money, you know? So there's a lot, got to be a little give and take. I think the Browns will be fair with him, but we'll see. A lot depends on how it goes this year. You know, if he has a big year, I mean, how can you move on from him and not give him another extension? Might be a shorter one or something like that. But, you know, Jack Duffin's a guy to ask on extensions and what can you do? I know a lot of People think, well, they'll move on from him because that's what you do. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the way it works these days. Uh, Kevo680 asks, any news on Adam's injury? I know that they haven't told you anything, Fred. I'm just going to point Kevo to Insider Central uh, where uh, we may have heard something. So uh, uh, take a peek in there, just a, just a hint. Uh, a couple of uh, similar questions. Paul K. Spencer wants to know how you like Greenbrier. And uh, Tysox15 wants to know whose idea Greenbrier was. Do we have any evidence of that? And uh, do you give Greenbrier uh, four or five stars or uh, uh, not uh, enough information to rate, Fred? <laughs> well, the actual resort is not where we're – it's not where I'm staying. I mean, all the riders were pretty much at – a Fairfield Marriott in the next town about 15 minutes from the Greenbrier. Now the Greenbrier, if you saw the picture when I first saw it looked like the white house, like 10 times bigger. Um, We went in there to find, cause Stavansky invited us to slam in Sammy Sneed's bar the other night. And I think it was the first night we were here. It took us, most of us about a half hour to find our way around. It's 11,000 acre property. And there's trails everywhere, and it isn't easy to find. Um, even the security people pointed us to two different places, you know. But it's it's a beautiful property for sure. Um, kind of Joe Bentonio described it when we walked in. I saw it kind of had the 
floral carpet kind of reminds you of something like your great grandma's, but it was very <laughs> elegant and luxurious. Um, but yeah, a little pricey for me personally, but as far as the performance center, there's two or three practice fields. That's probably about a five, 10 minute walk, at least from where the players are staying. And that's where we're housed. We have a tent right next to the practice field. And our view is an outhouse that was put right in front of the door. Um, so don't think we're in luxurious accommodations at the practice field. We, we um, you know, are brought box lunches every day and uh, we have no air conditioning. So it gets kind of hot in that tent. A lot of us go back to the hotel to do our writing and stuff. But the Greenbrier, from what I've seen, been there once, is fabulous. We saw the owner of the Greenbrier was at practice yesterday. I found out later he was the, you know, the owner of the Greenbrier, but he is the governor of West Virginia, Jim Justice. And uh, when I was looking him up as the governor, it said he also owns the Greenbrier. And I go, oh, so that was pretty cool. But yeah, the um, facilities are great. It's kind of tucked away. To answer your question, I think it was Kevin Stefanski. I think he and Andrew Barry talked about it. Stefanski, the day of the draft, came down to the media room before the draft and really for the first time did a little informal chit-chat with us. Unsolicited, just showed up and came down, <coughs> which he he's tried to do that more this year and be more of a real person and find out that the media really isn't out to, to get him. Um, and he told us about Greenbrier then, and he said that when he was with the Vikings, they would get away, and he thought that really helped the team bond in their chemistry, and he told us about the Greenbrier idea. Um, I think he had heard about it from some other coaches. Sean Payton and the Saints had trained here, and then the Texans. Deshaun Watson might even mention, because it was Watson's rookie year, the Texans came to the Greenbrier. And um, and so I think that's where, and then because Stefanski has thanked the Haslam's a couple of times saying we thank them that they were, you know, willing to allow us to, to transform the entire building, you know, to, to West Virginia. Because I remember what it was when the Browns would move from Berea to Kent State for training camp, let alone to move from Berea to West Virginia. Now with the technology and everything involved and all the stuff they have and all the people. So it was a big undertaking for eight days. So they got to move everything back here Sunday. But I think that it was probably Kevin and I think Andrew Berry, um, you know, he – was they probably went to the Haslam's together and said, Hey, mm-hmm. it's our idea. And they said, what do you think? And they said, go for it. All right. Well, I uh, wanted to let you know, Fred, that Mateo at least uh, appreciates uh, your, your work there with your view of the outhouse uh, out there in, in Cali, by the way, uh, when it comes to spending money, there really is no comparison over the last three years with the Haslam's. They spent more cash than anyone. If you doubt me, take a look in the live wire from today. We've got a tweet from Jack Duffin in there 
which lays out how much cash each of the owners have spent in the Haslam's are right on the top of that list. But Mateo also wants a update on Dewan Jones, whether he's back at practice and whether we have any hints as to uh, why he missed practice all that time. Yeah, he actually was back at practice yesterday, which would have been Tuesday. Stefanski said Monday afternoon he went through the walkthrough. That was after the morning practice that we're allowed to watch. He was sick or, you know, ill. I don't know what it was, but they did do some conditioning, running in the other day. And, you know, and he looked like he, to me, just me, but he's, he's a big man. He's like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, carrying a few pounds. I think he's 370 pounds or something like that. And uh, he looked like he was, you know, he he looked like he might have been laboring a little bit, maybe the way Barry would if he was running sprints. And so, not me, but <clears throat> um, he was back out there. The interesting thing will be, okay, you know, in pads in 90 degrees, you know, starting again tomorrow and, and so forth to see how he holds up because back in rookie minicamp, he was having trouble. You know, it was obvious he was out of shape. And so I don't know if he got into a lot better shape between then. I would have thought that he would have, or he might just say, you know, I think I am done with this. I might go play basketball. <laughs> no, but I'm just, we'll see what he, how he holds up in this. You know, I think they'll push him. You know, I think Callahan will push him, but he is back. Everybody, you know, so far there really haven't been any new people out. I, I, I saw Adams leave the field, and there was an update. I don't know how long he'll be out, but um, Cooper was the only one other than the guys that they put on the uh, pup list before the training camp began. Right, right. Uh, one more question. We're going to shut things down for the evening. This is from Serge MDC. He says, Fred, I know we joke about winning off seasons, but this is the most excited we should be going into a season. But is this the most excited we should be going into a season? I know I am. So are you going to talk Serge MDC down or are you going to tell him it's okay to be excited, Fred? It's okay to be excited. You know, you know, they, the schedule those first four games are, are big. And we talked to Stefanski about that. You know, it's like, so what do you do? Do you, he said they're, they're, you know, they're already doing work on the Bengals and the Steelers and, and kind of interesting that not too many times do you get to play a team that, you know, very well, you know, like they have the, the Bengals are pretty much the same team. You know what they are and the Steelers, you know what they are. And, and then the Ravens in the fourth game. So, it's it's really an opportunity. Do you go all in on those games because they're so important with the division? He said that the Browns are the only team in the AFC North that play the other three teams in the first four weeks. So that could be good and bad. You know, the Bengals haven't seen Jim Schwartz with the Browns and what he might do. So he could really throw them up, you know, and, and unleash something on them. You know, but you're not buried if you don't come out of the gate, you know, three and one or two and one at least in the AFC North, but you set yourself behind the eight ball. But I really do think barring injury, this team can can compete the whole season because they have the players 
um, all the way around, even without the greatest defense last year and the year before, you know, or even on offense, they were competitive. They just couldn't, the defense couldn't hold up the lead late in games. And I think that they have a chance now. They have they have some good players, really good players, and a, an aggressive coach. So the biggest thing that I walk off the ledge there is that, unfortunately, I use this comparison. I covered the Cavs for four years when LeBron and the Cavs were probably the best team in the history of the Cavs and maybe in the NBA. But unfortunately, the Warriors were, were a better team. And if you didn't have the Warriors there, the Cavs might have won three or four championships. Right now, you got the Chiefs with Mahomes and Allen with the Bills and Burrow with the Bengals and Jackson with the Ravens and, you know, Aaron Rodgers with the Jets. On any given day, you can lose, you know, to any of those teams, no matter how well you play. And so you got to get into the playoffs and then you got a chance. And on that given day, if you play better, your quarterback plays better, you have a chance to move on. So, yeah, I think I think you have a chance to be real optimistic. But All right. should be a great year, to be honest. With that positive note, uh, I am not going to do gassers on the field at the Fantasy Football Expo. That is right out. And I am also not going to be hosting this next week. Uh, next week you're going to have Brad Ward stepping in. Uh, to my shoes, which will mean an immediate improvement in the program. So please show up next week when Brad is uh, guest hosting OBR Weekly. Fred will be here as always. And thank you for tuning in. So for uh, Fred Guru Extraordinaire, uh, Greetham, I'm Barry McBride. Thank you very much for tuning in to OBR Weekly. We'll see you again next week. So long, folks. <laughs>